Smoky Hollow represents the remnant of a forgotten community. It was one of the first African-American communities that was settled after the end of the Civil War here in Tallahassee. Its name, Smoky Hollow, derives from later on in its life where it served as the site of the Alberta Crepe Factory. And the crepe factory is where crates were made to capture like the agricultural crops that, are, uh, that Florida's economy is known for. And so the smoke, the smokestacks that would rise from the crate factory is how the name Smoky Hollow became synonymous with the area. Uh, but it, you know, initially in the late 1860s is when it started to become a community of people who were newly freed, formerly enslaved, and finding themselves in a position to, uh, for the first time, purchase property, acquire property, or find, uh, find out what it would mean to live independently uh, for the very first time. John Gilmore Riley was an educator, a philanthropist, and a Tallahassee pioneer of his time. He was one of the most fascinating people to have ever lived in this community, and mainly because his legacy and his impact is still very much so alive and well today. He was born uh, into the institution of slavery in 1857, and he lived to be 97 years old and passed away in 1954, right at the start of the local civil rights movement. Mr. Riley first realized the value of education even as a child. He was emancipated from slavery at the age of nine, and that is when emancipation made its way to Florida in May of 1865. Well, by the early 1870s, Mr. Riley is attending one of the one-room schoolhouses, and he talks about later in life in one of his uh, memoirs, one of his letters, it talk, describes the teaching that he received in one of the church schools and how just learning how to read and write gave him a sense of purpose, gave him a sense of pride in understanding that, that, that it, it carried with it a responsibility. It was more than just you know, acquiring a skill for his own personal use, but for the betterment of the entire community. After learning to read and write uh, and being able to engage educationally, he found that he had such a love for education that he wanted to become a teacher and teach others how to read and write. And he went on to become a principal. Well, during his time as an educator, as a teacher, he would advocate for equal pay for teachers, for black teachers. And this is in the 1870s. This man is learning this thing and newly coming into his own and immediately makes his voice heard to advocate that all people be treated equal or have equal treatment under the law. Mr. Riley was a, just a, a prominent businessman. The money he was making from teaching, he started investing in real estate. And the real estate holdings that he first acquired, beginning at the age of 25, he purchased holdings that he could then either rent out or mortgage to others. Uh, Mr. Riley was able to acquire a Freedman's Loan because he had a source of regular income. And using the Freedman's Loan, he purchased uh, parcels of land, had property built, and instead of imme immediately building you know, his dream house for he and his family, he actually invested that money and made sure that he would get a return on his investment by making it 
either a mortgage that he could uh, render to someone else or a rental property. And most of his uh, rental holdings were in the downtown Tallahassee area and much of it being in Smoky Hollow. Uh, then you go from his real estate holdings to say seven years into being, you know, establishing a real estate portfolio to building this house. And this house is, like I said, it is a five bedroom, two story home. Mr. Riley's home was built in 1890, and at the time he was the father of four, and he and his wife occupied the home with their children. Actually, Riley House is the anchor of the community. It was the place in the neighborhood that, that really represented the emergence of the first black middle class in the area. So Mr. Riley's house was built in 1890, but when you think about a two-story, five-bedroom house being built in 1890 by a person who could not legally learn to read and write until he turned 10, then that speaks of the significance of being able to acquire a house or build a house of this size at age 33. So it, it is a significant uh, aspect, when we say anchoring the community, uh, giving a, a sense of heritage, a sense of pride, for the members of the community, regardless of their economic standing. After Mr. Riley's uh, passing away in 1954, his uh, home was still occupied by two of his children, and two of his adult children lived here until they passed away. And so without a, a direct heir to pass his property onto, there was no one to continue to care for the home. So it falls into uh, rapid decline and disrepair, so much so that the city had marked it for demolition by the late 70s. And when it is marked for demolition, just to speak of how great a legacy you must have, that more than 20 years after you've passed away, you have a community of blue collar workers, former students, still members or former members of the Smoky Hollow community who come together to raise the money to buy the building back from the city of Tallahassee to, just to save it from demolition. And so when you have that rallying of community support, uh, those persons that came together decided to form the John Riley Foundation so that they could formally acquire the space and make sure that it was used and preserved for some other purpose. And that purpose, although it wasn't really fulfilled until 1996 when the museum itself was opened, that community of, of supporters not only rallied to save the house from demolition, they were able to work to get it restored, they were able to get it a um, historic designation on the National Register of Historic Properties in 1978, such that it would remain a, a community structure or, or a historic marker, a historic landmark rather, during the time that, that they could do whatever they could to make sure that it, it remained a part of the fabric of the community. I think that Mr. Riley had the, the perspective, the community-centered perspective that he had, and I'll call it collective work and responsibility, the living a principled life uh, with, with a high degree of integrity, a high degree of compassion for others because of the status in which he came into the world. 
that he came in being treated as property, being treated as, as if his own ambitions or as if his own desires were not valid. And to me, that's what makes his story so significant because it transcends time, it transcends race, it transcends economic status, uh, it transcends even educational status. No matter what our circumstance, you know, we don't choose how we come into this earth or what, what we're born into, but you can actually leave an impact. You can make an impact that will never ever be erased. So I think his life has demonstrated that. A part of the mission of uh, the Riley House is to be an advocate and to also impact public policy as it relates to developing uh, infrastructure projects, but in the process, taking a look at the historical implication of those projects. So what we have happening now, which started about, I would say, four years ago, was the development of a 24-acre public park named Cascades Park. Well, Cascades Park's natural blueprint prior to the development was a community of over 80 families. It was a thriving African-American community made up of working class to middle class residents. By 1968, it had evolved to a point where the government decided that Smoky Hollow should no longer be there. There were some news accounts saying that it was a slum in the face of the Capitol because when you looked from the Capitol, you looked right down at Smoky Hollow. And um, so the process moved to the point of eminent domain. And in 1968, all of the families were told that they would need to move. A lot of them were renters, but there were also property owners. And those owning property were given no option except to sell their places, most of them for less than what um, they were valued, and to relocate. There were still some bad feelings, hostility, resentment from people who were displaced, which I can understand. When we got together, they wanted to know, well, why is it Cascade Park? Why not Smoky Hollow? But as we continued to talk about um, and plan together what we could do to remember Smoky Hollow, those gradually dissipated, and the committee now um, are purchasing bricks in memory of their families, and those will go in an area in Cascades Park that is named now Smoky Hollow Village. Across from the Riley House is the uh, Smoky Hollow Village area that is developing. There are three what we call spirit houses built on the style, architectural style of shotgun houses because those were uh, many of the houses that were in Smoky Hollow. Inside of those houses we will have interpretive panels to tell the story of that community from its beginning to the end and on through the stories of the people.
The city of Tallahassee is a community well-versed with unique qualities and history, but for one local resident, Tallahassee has a story to tell. It's the story of how African-Americans made a difference and contributed to the area. WTXL ABC 27's Paulo Salazar visits with one woman who has made it her mission to remember those in the past in our African-American Icon series. It always sort of concerned me that as people passed on, so went their names, so went their contributions, and, and I just felt it was just such a travesty. Althemis Barnes is a fourth-generation Tallahassee native who has worn and continues to wear many hats. She's had an accomplished career with the Florida Department of Education and Labor and is accredited with establishing the historic John G. Riley House as a center and museum. But it's preserving and telling the stories of black Americans that she's best known for. I think it is very important to make sure that black history is known because black history is America's history. You don't have any period in time where the black presence, contributions, accomplishments, struggles, triumphs do not appear as a common thread. 1996 was a year that shaped Barnes's philanthropy and because of her work, people all over the state know about the Riley House. The Riley House was almost lost to us. Um, Mr. Riley was born into slavery. After slavery, went on to become a business owner, amassing a lot of property. He became the first principal of Lincoln School and served for 33 years. Barnes has been recognized for many honors over the years. I would probably say my work with um, Historic Cemeteries Restoration. I did the Greenwood Cemetery Project and I also led the effort out at the old Hickory Hill Cemetery. They were overrun and I just felt that it was really important that our ancestors have a nice place to continue their rest. In 2001, Barnes organized the Florida African American Heritage Preservation Network. It's a museum association that has over 50 members and has become a blueprint for similar historic preservation efforts across the country. In 2012, Barnes was recognized by President Obama and appointed to the National Museum and Library Services Board. But most recently, it's been her work on Smoky Hollow that's taken center stage. As city planners, county planners, Blueprint 2000 was were talking about Cascades Park, I started going to the meetings because I knew that what was being talked about as Cascades Park really used to be a black community of over 80 families. The area was the epicenter of the black community filled with schools, churches, and businesses. It wasn't until the late 1950s and early 60s when the area was revamped for other purposes. Had John Riley, who lived in Smoky Hollow. You had famous Amos the Cookie Man, who grew up in Smoky Hollow. You had the Adderley Brothers, great musicians, tied roots to Smoky Hollow. So we need to make sure that as people walk through Cascades Park and over in the village, they have an opportunity to know that. Um, Smoky Hollow did not go away. Althemis Barnes continues to fight for the preservation and honor of black history and the role it's played in shaping Tallahassee and North Florida. Her decades of hard work has made her one of WTXL's African American icons. icons.
and smashing barriers and shattering glass ceilings, trailblazers make it possible for girls and women to leave their mark. One Tallahassee woman knows all about that. Joining us here this morning to tell more about her story is Althamese Barnes. She is the founder of the John G. Riley Museum. She also recently was honored with the Legacy Award from the Oasis Center for Women and Girls, part of this center's trailblazing award ceremony. Good morning, Ms. Barnes. Good morning, how are you? I'm Thanks great. for having me. No, well, thank you for joining us this morning. Well, first of all, we wanna tell you congratulations on that award. Tell us what it means to be a trailblazer in the city. Uh, it means a whole lot to me. I was very appreciated to, appreciative to get the award. However, I always hope that I am setting an example and the Oasis Center for Women and Girls gave the, a great opportunity for me to um, make it known that history and preserving and documenting the stories of our elders is just so important. After 30 years of work with the Florida Department of State, I decided to take that on because as a young person, I traveled a lot with my parents to visit family out in the rural area and other places. And it just was a concern to me that as time moved on, the elders were transitioning and leaving us and who would know the many things that they had contributed to the building of this city and county. So that's why after 30 years with the state, I decided to open the first public community-based African-American history and begin to record and document those stories so that they could be shared, uh, not only locally, but abroad. Now, we have learned that you started this with just the camcorder recording yourself. That's how this all took place. That was what existed back in the day. That's how we recorded. And that was the first piece of equipment that was purchased. And I would go with my mother, who was in her 90s at the time. So she still had some classmates and church members alive. So I always referred to her as my co-researcher because we would get in the car and go into the different communities, um, Macon, uh, Blockers, Mikasuki, where she still knew people, and just turn on the record and let them talk. And then those stories, some of the interns that I brought on at Riley House would take and help me do content development. And we published over 28 books and documentaries during that 24-year period of time. Now, my next question to you is who inspires you and how can more women become a part of something so amazing uh, like the museum that you have founded? Well, I go back to my ancestors. I was very inspired by them. My mother came from a family of 12 children. She was the oldest. My father, a family of five. So I have to give hats off to them because as I said, at the time that I took this on, Nobody was really doing uh, writing and speaking in color, as I say. There were museums even across the state doing African-American history, but they were like in the shadows of institutional initiatives and programs. So I think my parents who engaged me with my family and um, put me into spaces where I could see that though they came from meager beginnings, uh, we were, my elders were in the enslaved system, but they moved on to become artisans and educators and 
um, craftsmen and, you know, farmers, independent farmers and what have you. So I just wanted those stories to be known. And it is very important because when I started, some of my teachers, for instance, a couple of them, when I went and showed them photographs because I was collecting photographs as well, they looked at the photos, but all they could say is, oh, that's so pretty. But they could not identify anybody in the photograph. Right. So, so that's why it is so important that this generation, it's time now for the, uh, the students in the program of OASIS to begin recording people such as myself and others, because over time, the storytellers won't be here. Yeah. Well, Ms. Barnes, thank you so much for joining us and sharing this information. Of course, all of this will be posted on WTLX.TV. You are truly amazing, and I hope you know how appreciated you are in this community and beyond. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Activity Radio, and I'm your host, John D. Horse, horse. Welcome. You have found your family in a peaceful place. PAR is a family-friendly information distribution program seeking to inform non-white people, in particular, black classified and assisting and counter-racist codification. PAR is a family-friendly information distribution program dedicated to creating less confusion for people subject to non-white and particular black classification. Less confusion with the ultimate goal of solving problems. Replace the system of racism white supremacy with a system of justice. Immediately. Immediately. The title of today's episode is Altamese Barnes preserving the legacy of John G. Riley and Smokey Hollow. One more again, the title of today's episode is All to Me's Barnes, preserving the legacy of John G. Riley and Smokey Hollow. Smokey Hollow. John G. Horses cash app is dollar sign capital J O H N capital H O R S E. Feel free to donate if you feel this program is constructive and worth your time. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Where do we begin? Where do we begin is always the question. And this is PAR, People Activity Radio. And I am your gracious and humble host, John G. Horse. Welcome. You have indeed found your family in a peaceful place. And let's get right on 
into the work. Altamese, Pemberton, Barnes, one more again, Altamese, Pemberton, Barnes, a warrior scholar, historian, curator, preservationist in Tallahassee, Florida. Altamese, Pemberton, Barnes, founded the John G. Riley Museum in 1996. Serving as the executive director in 1997, she established the Florida African American Heritage Preservation Network, a statewide professional museum association. She had a career of 30 years with the Florida's Department of Education and Labor, retiring in 1995. Her works include several oral history and cultural development projects, historical publications, heritage trail maps, guides, and documentaries. She is a member of the American Alliance of Museums, the Florida Association of Museums, the National Association of African American Museums, and the National Trust for Historical Preservation. Ms. Barnes received a BS and an MS from Florida A&M University. In 2013, Ms. Barnes oversaw the construction of a $300,000 visitor center's addition to the Riley Museum property. She left a $900,000 endowment fund invested for the upkeep of both the center and Riley House for a future upon her retirement as executive director in October 2014. Continuing her work in historic preservation, Altamese worked with the City of Tallahassee and Leon County governments and co-chaired a Smoky Hollow commemoration group. In September 2015, Altamese received the Greater Chamber of Commerce Lifetime Leadership Award, the highest annual award of this organization. And those are just a couple of receipts of our great elder, our great warrior historian, our great curator, preservationist, Altamese Barnes of Tallahassee, Florida. And she is a shining, glowing example of the work that needs to be done as a content creator, in particular as a content creator who focuses on the legacy and the heritage of people uh, who find themselves subject to black classification in the United States, I come across a lot of people subject to black classification that spend their life's energy and have life missions on documenting, curating, curating, preserving, and highlighting the contributions to these United States by people subject to black classification throughout the United States existence. That means there is no time period in the existence of the United States in this this North American continent that people who are subject to black classification have not been contributing to this so-called experiment that we call the United States of America. It's either true or it's not true. And if it is true, and old John G. G. contends that this is true, where's the documented and verified receipts and evidence of all these contributions? Well, if we are under a system of 
anti-blackness, a system of white terror domination, a system of racism, white supremacy. I highly doubt those people who classify themselves as white will spend a morsel of their time highlighting the contributions of people who are subject to black classification. If this is true, that responsibility would fall upon those of us who find ourselves subject to black classification because those people who have contributed to our existence, to our survival, to the thriving legacy, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, are most likely our family members, our ancestors. ancestors. I don't look to the state government. I don't look to the federal government. I don't look to the county. I don't look to anybody to highlight my ancestors' thriving nature, my ancestors' contributions. Those are my ancestors. That is my responsibility. If I have offspring, it's my responsibility to give the information and pass on the tradition and the legacy of thriving no matter what conditions you find yourself in, no matter who you come uh, in opposition with, no matter how powerful the opposition is, our ancestors, United States foundational, United States black classifieds, did what they had to do by any means necessary. And that's why I had the audacity. I felt the need to highlight grandsisters, not even a grandsisters, sweet queen mother, queen mother, all to me's Barnes, who has spent her life energy preserving cemeteries, who has spent her life energy erecting institutions, who has spent her life energy raising funds and money, who have spent her life energy playing politics where there are there is no evidence of people subject to black classification that actually practice uh, uh, politics that are in the best interest of people subject to black classification in the United States, but she's played the politic game. She is aligned with the city, the county, the state, the federal government, you understand, national institutions which promote and uh, give funds to the uh, upkeep of books and documentaries and museums and memorials for foundational United States black classified historical contributions to the United States in the land of Ron DeSantis, in the land of CRT, in the land where mothers of liberty run amok, financed by Lord knows who. Sweet Queen Mother Altamese Barnes is a mighty warrior, no different than our grandsister, Harriet Tubman. And if this is true, if she has put in work like that, it would be criminal for us not to recognize her and those like her around this nation who puts in the necessary work. Work. There's only one way to get things done, and that is hard work and dedication. It was a lot of hard work and dedication put into building this nation that we call the United States of America. We all know the builders, the ones who was putting in the hard work were forced to work for free. We all know the builders, the foundation of this country who put in the hard work, who the economy was built off of their back, were subject to black classification. We all know those of us who find ourselves subject to black classification most likely are the ancestors of those who built the 
nation that we find ourselves in and we are still subject to black classification most of us are brown most of us are beige most of us are caramel most of us are not black but we are subject to this here thing called black classification what does it mean to be black what does it mean to be black? You look to the history, you look at the evidence, you look at the receipts. Those people who found themselves subject to black classification, what was their experience in this here thing that we call the United States of America? If we claim that we built this nation, if we claim that we are the foundation of the nation, if we claim there was no nation until we built it, where are those people who built this nation? Where are their burial sites? Burial sites. This will go into a whole nother line of content to be created. But where are the burial sites of the foundation of the United States? I can tell you where the burial sites of Confederate veterans are. I can tell you where the better burial site of suspected white supremacists are. I can tell you where the burial sites of a lot of things. A lot of things. But we all know there was no upkeep. There was no preservation of what we claim are the foundation of this nation. Well, indeed, if there is no upkeep and there is no preservation in a lot of the grave sites, a lot of burial grounds of foundational black Americans were bulldozed over and resorts and apartment complexes, project complexes were built over them. Parks were created out of them. You understand me? If we know that these things continue to happen, if we know we're in a city or state, a town that where you find people subject to black classification, the uh, burial grounds of people who are uh, black classified are overrun. Trees are growing. The, the, the grounds are not being cut. The tombstones are not being kept on a level uh, uh, level standing there's a bunch of uh, garbage on the ground there's a bunch of graffiti and uh, vandalism being practiced on the grounds of uh, foundational ancestors who are the great great and mighty warriors who take on the responsibility to maintain and upkeep something as simple and essential as resting places for foundational United States black classified. Well, let me tell you something. Our sweet queen mother, Altamese Barnes, is one of those warriors, hard work, dedication, life energy. She has put into preserving cemeteries, burial ground, resting places of foundational black Americans. She has put in work preserving the legacy of John G. Riley of Tallahassee, Florida. One of the great residents of the community that was occupied by foundational United States black classifieds, Smokey Hollow. I wouldn't know nothing about no Smokey Hollow. I wouldn't know nothing about no John G. Riley. I wouldn't know nothing about nothing in Tallahassee had it not been for the efforts, the hard work, dedication of sweet queen mother, all to me's barns. And those like her. And today, old John G. gives a black self-respect salute and I, hope and I hope I have contributed, I have contributed. to less confusion. less confusion. And always remember, always remember. Keep, learning. keep learning 
and stay codified. codified. You're the prey, the prey, the prey. The prey.